everyone. Welcome to What No One's Asking For. Host Brian Burchick here, and today's episode is actually a very unique one because it is the recording from our first live event. Uh, end of April, we did a live show in Atlanta, Georgia, and so super fun to be able to share that here. Um, of course, it was a little different because it was live, so we have sort of an opener, and then we have uh, kind of a quick interview with a few people that the podcast has just really meant a lot to, and that their lives are actually very different, and yet these topics have resonated across those different lifestyles. Um, so we do that, and then we hop into more of our typical conversation where we actually dig into something called generational theory, and really a, a helpful framework that kind of looks at the interplay between different generations and sort of the repeatable patterns of behavior and thinking that can happen between those generations. So it was really uh, an interesting way to continue talking about some of the topics we've covered these last couple seasons. Uh, and then there's also just intermittent Q&A as we go. So you'll hear questions from the crowd. It was so fun to have that type of interaction and some really great stuff comes from the audience. So hope you'll enjoy this. Uh, we had a blast and um, yeah, we are thrilled to get to share it with you now. Well, good evening, everybody. What a what a great night in Atlanta. Freaking roast. Um, I here's what I know: nobody asked for this event. Nobody. <laughs> but we're doing it anyway. I can't believe you're here. I can't believe you paid money to be here. Uh, uh, but honestly, we're paying money to be here too because yeah. you you overshot the budget. Uh, but that's, I wanted people to have drinks, man. We're, we're losing and money on this, this event. Venue so awesome. You guys like yeah. the vibes? It's a great venue. Yeah. So, you know, go buy some more drinks. We'll try to, you know. Um, you know, there's typically an order to when you do, like, a live podcast show. So, Drew, you, you had some thoughts initially when this came up. Yeah, Matt brought up that we should do a live show, and I said, I don't know if you guys typically know how this works. <laughs> Usually, you have a show for a few years. It catches, like, wildfire, <laughs> and the crowd demands <laughs> that you have a show. And I showed them several examples of people, like, touring the country to sold-out theaters, and he's like, I don't think we should just do it anyways. <laughs> So Brian and I were like, all right, I guess we're doing a freaking show. So here we are. You we're had here. that guy from Dallas say, I wish I could be there One today. person does not yeah. count. <laughs> when are you coming to Dallas? That's what I heard. When yeah. are you coming to Dallas? You yeah. wait till one becomes a multitude, and then yeah. you, you please the crowd, yeah. right? Yeah. So y'all, thank you for being here. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You know, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's been good. Good, great listenership. I mean, you know, a lot of friends. Um, Matt, Matt's mom Matt's loves mom it. Matt's mom listens to it. Um, sure. Yeah, my mom could not be here tonight, but she did submit a question. Yeah, so she submitted a question. Yeah. Yes. But um, I'll say this. Um, it's, been a, it's been a crazy week. Um, I, was, I was on Marco with these guys earlier, like Monday or Tuesday. And I don't know if this happens to y'all, but like genuinely it felt like everything was happening this week. All, job stress, kids crap, school stuff, and then this random event that felt very scary and vulnerable, and I, I was on Marco with these guys, and I was like, I feel like this is the worst week possible to have this yeah, event, yeah. because it was just a lot. I was feeling very overwhelmed, very stressed, and 
the spin doctor over here, was like, that actually makes sense. He's like, that's what this show is all about. It's about the mess in the, in the middle of everything. We can still be vulnerable. So he's totally spun it. He's as, selling us on it. And it's true. I mean, it's it, a great perspective. It is a great perspective. You need perspective. a better it perspective is. on life. It is. No, it, it is a great perspective. I just, it, it's been a tough week. It's been a hell of a week. And it's not even over. It's not over yet for me. I got some stuff tomorrow, too. But I'm here. We're here. Taylor Swift is here. Uh, did anybody go last night? <laughs> All right, one Swifty, let's go. What, yes. what an amazing woman she is. Um, we did not, we did not set out to to do a podcast. We, it was the back end of the pandemic. All three of us were struggling through um, some big stuff, some work stuff, some anxiety stuff, some family stuff, and we just decided we need to, we need to be vulnerable again. Um, when we, when our friendships really took off in high school, it was based on vulnerability, and we, uh, we decided we needed to do that again. We started zooming, then we heard out, heard about Marco Polo, so we got on Marco Polo, and um, I guess we we're just kind of self-important. I don't know, but we felt like maybe we should do this <laughs> on a podcast. I, I mean, <laughs> I was getting a lot out of the, I get, because I guess this is my event. Is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was getting a lot out of our conversations, and I was like, I feel like this is some really good stuff. Like, yeah. we would meet every Sunday night on Zoom, literally, yeah. and talk. Yes. And eventually we thought, maybe we'll just hit record on Zoom at some point, because this was helping us so much, and we had friends we wanted to share it with, and yes. then we decided to do a podcast. Yes. So we're excited to continue in that same hoping-to-be-vulnerable conversational kind of style tonight. Um, but before we jump right in, I'm going to have Reynolds invite um, some special guests. We got some super fans in the house. All right, Taylor and Taylor and Megan, these girls came from out of state for this show. No, just kidding. They came for Taylor Swift, but they stayed for the night. They stayed for the night. Let's go. Come on up here. Give them a round of applause. I'm going to take this. Or no, we got the we got the wireless. Where's the wireless? March has the handheld. March has the wireless. Yeah, I know. This was the real thing. Okay. All right, so these are my dear friends, Taylor and Megan. Hey, We've known each other for a long time. Yeah. We didn't, you know, we, I don't know, we saw each other online, I guess. But when this came out, <laughs> they reached out and were like, oh my gosh, I guess I'm kind of surprised, but this has been really good or something <laughs> along those lines. But, but, I mean, it really is vulnerable to, like, put something new out into the world. And so you guys were so encouraging, and it just brought us back together. We have a Marco Polo group now. Uh, Me and without these girls. Us. Just the pod squad. We call ourselves the pod squad. We heard you jealous. So jealous. <laughs> he told me. He <laughs> left, like, an hour long. on the pod squad. <laughs> he said he left, like, an hour long post, and we're like, about what? <laughs> what did you not tell us about? I can't tell y'all what we talk we about. We have our own thing, Drew. We have our own group. All right, so I want to ask the question of, of why, because y'all, I mean, y'all really did help, I think, keep this Don't thing going. Don't make us sound sad and embarrassing. We, like, fangirled hard, and now it's embarrassing. <laughs> no, we needed that. I mean, oh. we needed that. So what what initially connected with you about it? That's That's my first question. I mean, first I'll say, we all went to high school together. When this came out, okay, we do a Marco Polo, us two, and our friend Chelsea. Yes. Chelsea there. And we have said the same thing all these years. Like, could we do a podcast? That would be so cool. Our conversations are so interesting, right? <laughs> I mean, we didn't say it like that, but like. <laughs> kind of. And so then when y'all did it, we were like, okay, 
let's check it out. And then we were like, do we just like this because we like y'all? So then I had my husband, and the answer is kind of yes. No, no, I'm just kidding. So then I had my husband start to listen, who doesn't really know y'all at all. And he was like, no, this is like legit stuff. So for me, this actually came in a phase of my life. So I live in Colorado. In the spirit of being vulnerable, I was in a phase of my life where I have three kids, married. I just was in such a rut. And I was like, marriage feels hard. Life feels hard. What I was feeling that I didn't know was midlife sadness. (laughs) Can we say it all together? So when I started listening to the podcast, I felt so seen and related to and then having my husband listen, it became this whole thing where, honestly, every week we would, like, wait for the podcast to come out, both listen to it separately, and then talk about it at our little marriage meeting, which our therapist recommended. <laughs> and, yes. and it was so relatable and life-giving. And so for me, that was a huge launching of, like, oh, I'm in this, I agree with what you're doing. I mean, I love the throwback of whichever one of your wives was like, really, three white guys giving their opinions, like, who needs this? Three white guys talking about their struggles. But the vulnerability from men helped my husband a lot and helped us connect a lot. And I really, really, really appreciate that in time when we needed that. So that's what started my fangirlship. (laughs) Meg? Are we, we're officially fangirls? Yes. I think that's what we're doing. I know. (laughs) It's so embarrassing. (laughs) Um, So for me, I mean, similar to Taylor, I was like, oh, you know, I love these guys. I haven't, like, seen them in years, but let's, like, give it a listen. I was kind of like... Yeah, like, do we really need three white guys like yeah. having another no, podcast? Yeah. You're like, you're you're a tough cookie on yeah. this. Yeah, I am like, I don't know. And then I was like, oh no, uh, I <laughs> feel inspired by this. And yeah, I'm like, that's so problematic. <laughs> God, um, I know. But I I think it to me one thing that I took away, and I told you this was like. Oh, it was very confirming of, like, when we were in high school, the the relationships that were meaningful were the ones that were, like, honest and deep. And, like, being a high schooler is hard and awkward and scary, and I feel like we all kind of got to know each other during that time. And it was very interesting to be, like, we're adults with, like, adult issues, and it's still very awkward and still very hard, and we're still all trying to figure this out, and we're, like, pretending to be adults. And it was very nice to hear the three of you be like, yeah, like, I really don't know what I'm doing, and I'm really trying to figure this out, and I just need people to come along with me and be like, yeah, we're all trying, and the trying is really beautiful. Mm. And so I think for me, that was what, like, really resonated. And I'm in a very different season than the rest of you. And we talked about this a lot. I was like, it's very interesting. I, I don't have children. I'm not married. I'm kind of doing, like, the corporate girly thing. And I was like, all of the themes are still hitting for me. It's not necessarily about like being a parent or having a specific type of job or being in a marriage. It's about being like a relational human on the planet. Mm -hmm. And how are we doing that? And how are we like knowing ourselves and knowing other people and coming together? So 
for me, I was like, oh, this is a breath of fresh air, and I knew I picked good friends in high school, like, for a reason. We finally yes. blossomed. Yeah. We got there. You took a long I knew you guys had time. potential, <laughs> but here and I was like, are. I'm going to keep a, an eye on these guys, because, yeah. like, they're going to go somewhere. Eventually. They're going to have a podcast event one day, and I'm going to be here for it. Hell yeah. Let's go. No, and I, so that's what I've enjoyed about it, just, like, all these conversations that have come out of little episodes that that means a lot to me just having real conversations mm -hmm. like deep conversations like I was talking to a woman at the gym and she was like I haven't felt that spark of aliveness in a long time mm -hmm. and I'm like oh do you feel sad like you should listen to this and like <laughs> then we talk about it I, it's like I've known her for a couple years but now it's like I actually know mm -hmm. something real about her so that's what's been cool anything surprising that's come out of it like anything that's interesting that you could share about that's surprised you about could you kind of share it about your like weekly well this is big so so I mentioned we were in a rut my husband is a teacher and he had applied for um, a job at an international school in Germany found out he didn't get it we're like listening to the podcast we're like we are in this phase where we want to be brave we want to take a risk we want to put ourselves out there and we just kept feeling like like we're hitting this rut. And then we've got the episode on like permanence and like feeling like this is just a season. And I mean, honestly, like every episode was kind of walking alongside. And then we got the call back from the school in Germany offering the job. So we're wow. moving to Berlin, Germany, if anyone's been there. Let's go. I kind it's of because, because of the podcast. Let's go. Like they change lives, people. <laughs> But, I mean, maybe when not. What episode got you to Berlin? <laughs> Do you remember shit? You don't remember? No, I think it was Midnight Magic. You it? must not listen twice to every episode. <laughs> like, you're a super fan here. But, no, truly just the affirmation of, I mean, Brian, you quote Richard Rohrer a lot. And I was reading his book while you were talking about his book. And then, like, a week later, I was skiing with a girlfriend. She was like, you should read the book Bittersweet. You guys talked about Bittersweet. Bittersweet yeah. Then my husband and I were deciding, we were, were going to Maui, and we were deciding whether or not to take our kids. And we freaking watched About Time. Yes. And my Gotta husband was movie. bawling at the end. He was like, we got to take the kids to Maui. <laughs> I mean, it just has been like, y'all are in our lives. And I think it's, but I think it's these really relatable conversations of, again, like, I don't know how many people are in this phase of, like, married with kids or not or whatever but kind of that hamster wheel of like you've checked off some dreams but life is still feeling kind of stagnant and how do we still learn about ourselves and grow and push ourselves and do something scary and brave and I do just feel like y'all gave us that little boost to like put ourselves out there so then when we got the call back I was like Hell yeah, we're doing this. Yeah. We're freaking moving to Germany. I don't yeah. even know. So um, that's been surprising, I would say. Um, yeah, and also just how relatable, even though we've lived so many years apart, just how connected, again, with all these same like books and references and resources, um, how connected it's all been. It's been really inspiring. You remind me of the question. What was <laughs> the surprising? Any, any sur anything know, surprising <laughs> that happened you in your life? I mean, similar to what I said before, I think I was surprised how connected I felt to all of your 
lives and the struggles that you were going through, even though on paper our lives look so different. I think a lot of the career topics that y'all talked about, that really resonated for me. I feel like I'm constantly trying to evaluate, like, what is the striving for? Like, who is this for? Is yeah. this actually for me? Is, or is this for, like, some panel that I'm trying to, like, prove something to? Um, and, like, you know, the corporate ladder of it all. I'm like, okay, I've reached my rung. And then I'm like, but what's the next rung? What do I need to do? Um, so I feel like that was really interesting to kind of hear y'all's evolution and like, you know, the episode where y'all talked about, was it magic and money or money or meaning? Also, yeah, something, something similar to that. <laughs> um, I thought that that episode was really interesting. Also, it just made me like cackle because I'm like, I knew y'all when we were like, money means nothing. <laughs> Twenty-year-old selves would be so oh. embarrassed by us right now, yeah. being like, "How are we doing in the stock market? Like, what is our 401k look like? Like, how are we hustling this?" I'm like, "Oh, we're so embarrassed by ourselves." But I love the like struggle between the two, and I think it's made me when I'm like looking at career things, being like, "Okay, right, like money is a thing that we it's okay for us to be striving for that, but also like, yeah, we're spending our days doing this, like." Is there meaning? What's our purpose? Who is this for? Is this for myself? So really kind of examining that. And then one nugget I drew, I believe that it was you, that has really stuck with me. Yeah. It's probably me. But I know, take it. I mean, I give it to me. Oh, Maybe I, I just sounded like Drew. Yeah. Said it. It it's been, always Drew. It's honestly, always Drew. It could have been any of you. Honestly, it could have been on the, our own Marco Polo. Yeah. <laughs> you said it. Yeah. But the idea of like a good day or good data. Yeah. I feel I like I mean he got that from somewhere, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, is that original? I, I got a no, Drew McCord TM no. right there. That's Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Daniel Amen, if anybody's heard it. He's gonna give a citation. Oh my god. <laughs> but I do feel like that's something that um, I've thought about a lot, and that kind of crystallized it for me. Of like, right, everything as you go through life, like. Everything is just a data point. It doesn't have to be like good or bad. There yeah. doesn't have to be shame attached to something. It's just, all right, this is something I'm learning now. I get to take that into myself. And then the next time I have that information to be like, do I want to do that again? I remember how it made me feel. Mm -hmm. Moving forward, I'm going to make this different decision. So I feel like that really resonated with me and has been really helpful. I love y'all so much. Oh, we love you so guys. Give it up for these girls. Thank Thank girls you. for life. Oh Give my gosh. Give it up for Taylor Give it up. Megan. Woo. Thank y'all. Y'all are the best. All right. Can we do it? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do a live recording with the three of us. But what we want to invite you into is the ability to interact with us if you'd like. So what we've heard is often... Uh, we'll literally get messages that, hey, I was listening, uh, often it's because we have a brain fart where we'll say something and can't remember, and we've, like, we're yelling at the screen, it's Fleetwood Mac, or whatever, <laughs> right? So what we're going to give you the opportunity to do is we're going to have a discussion. We'll carry the conversation. But if you legitimately have a question as you're listening, please interrupt us. We have another microphone, and we'd love to have your question and incorporate yeah. it into their conversation that will be recorded and go out for uh, the live broadcast. Does that make sense? So you don't have to just sit there and like listen to us have our conversation. This is going to be marketed as a live podcast. So 
it's going to take an extrovert to be the first one. Yeah. It always that way. I did this at a, a corporate event the other day I was doing. I invited the audience to do the same. It took 20 minutes before an extrovert got brave enough to raise their hand. And I said, thank you. I really meant it. And then we had more of a back and forth next to the time. So uh, we want to invite you to do that. Is that what I was supposed to say? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll have hopefully a little Q&A time at the end as well. Yes. So but we'll have that. If you're not comfortable interrupting us and asking a question, yeah. we will have a Q&A time at the end. Yeah. Be fun. And with that, to make it a little fun since we're doing our podcast episode, we're going to play our intro music. Take it us away. Come on now. Here he comes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to What No One's Asking For podcast. Brian Burchick here, joined as always by Matt Reynolds. This is the real intro. This is going <laughs> Andrew McClure, how are we yes. doing? Doing great. And a live audience in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> wow. Can you believe it? I can't. I, uh, <laughs> uh, this, is, uh, this is great. Yeah. And heck yeah. I am uh, very <laughs> yeah, excited. You sound like you're just. Well, I want to. This is great. This is so this is great. great. So I wanted, I wanted to start, because uh, I had an epiphany, and it was, it was very meaningful. It was earlier this month, we were in spring break, uh, with the family at uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama. Oh, big. We called it the, the People's Beach. And <laughs> like somebody, we had never been before, and it was very last minute, and somebody described it as, it's not like 30A at all. And that was a great description. <laughs> like when I was there, I was like, "Yeah, that's actually like very descriptive." You can see um, like the oil rigs in the distance at I night. Know. I mean, that's what I appreciate about it. Yeah, yeah. You really can't see them. You're like, man, there's a lot of good oil out here. Yeah, yeah it was it was something. And um, but we're there, and it was uh, it was one night. Kids were being occupied, and I just decided I'm gonna turn on this TV. I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna watch something. So I put on Netflix. It's a weird way to set that up. I'm going to watch, because it's a big deal. I never watch anything. And so I put on Netflix, and I, I immediately it just was on that first page. And I, I put on arguably the best rom-com of all time, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Ah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We, I've never seen it. What? Whoa. Which is odd, because I'm a big Matthew oh. McConaughey fan. <laughs> I mean, Dude. guys. So I, I put on I put on How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, and I feel like if it's not the best rom com of all time, it's got to be in the conversation. It's pretty like, good. It's really good. And McConaughey and Kate Hudson are so hot. They look great. They are so hot. They do. The the dress she wears, that iconic. Did every girl wear that for? Yeah, you did. Yeah. 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 They were so hot. They were so tan too. Oh, like yeah. the perfect tan. He was 33. She was 23, which is kind of interesting. No way. But anyway, I'm watching this, and I had not seen that movie since I saw it in the theaters. You were probably there, but I know you wouldn't remember because you have terrible, terrible memory. memory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was 20 years ago. It came out senior year of high school, 2003. You graduated year early. And when I put it on, I was instantly, it was like I time traveled 20 years. And I had this dumb little grin on my face the whole movie. Like, <laughs> it was such an indulgence because I felt like I was back to being 18. It was 2003. I mean, I felt like I had time traveled. And it took me back to this time of eight, being an 18-year-old where 
everything's in front of you. I, and that's actually my first question is like, do you remember what you felt like as an 18 year old? Mm. Because it, it took me back to that time where like, of course, everything is going to work out for me. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> everything up to this point has been amazing. My mom does all the chores. <laughs> um, and I mean, that. so I was taken instantly back to being that age. Yeah. I'm curious, what did you guys think like as an 18 year old? Well, you already said I don't have a good memory, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't quite remember. Uh, I mean, it represents a time of a few things. One, now in retrospect, is a time with no pressure. Y'all ever think about that? Yeah. But you didn't think that then. No, of course Which not. is weird, because yeah. at every stage of your life, you think you have pressure or problems. But then you look back, and you're like, but I didn't. Like, there was no really responsibility. Even though there was, it was very lightweight. Mm, your capacity so small for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I was just excited about the idea of out. Yeah. Like, that's around a stage where, like, you're not going to be home anymore. You're not maybe even going to be in the state anymore. You're going to be getting to kind of branch out and start whatever you want, go after whatever you want. Um, yeah, that's what makes me think of. Oh. Reynolds? I just think about you have so much energy. Oh, yeah. Endless energy. You and especially. Now, and now, yeah. yeah. I know, yeah, but and now you still got a lot of energy. <laughs> no, I, I, I feel good about my energy. I mean, but, but now I'm so, like, conscious of like how much energy is this going to take it's true for me to do this how much yeah. energy is that venture like i didn't think about that stuff back then it was like you weigh ta you weigh your money and you weigh your energy on a lot of decisions like you didn't used to right gonna cost when you're still energy? trying to get momentum you're still trying to like make something happen yeah and well. now i look back at like you know all that our lives have become and it's like how much energy do you need just to maintain Oh, yeah. The life you have. So when someone's like, oh, yeah. well, let's dream a little bit. Like, what can we do? And you're like, shit, tired, dude. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even do a Zoom with y'all last night at 9 o'clock. I was uh, falling yeah. asleep. You were falling asleep. I was sharing the content. And you're <laughs> we're like, showing up for his event. <laughs> <laughs> and, that was and he's and that laying was there in bed. On, we're like, dude, wake up. We're doing this for you. Yes. So here, that, so the epiphany was, the, I, I, I indulged the whole time. I love the movie. And, of course, there's like, you know it's going to work out. You know every box is going to get checked. You know they're going to kiss at the end. It's all going to be wrapped up beautifully. And so it happens. You know, they're on this bridge in Manhattan, and they kiss, and you're like, so happy. And then it – Just ruined the movie for me, by the way. <laughs> oh, Dude, it's 20 years old. Dude, it's, but again, there's no is, mystery. Is that here. on me? You yeah. 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 But when it ended, I it's like time travel went straight back to the present. So now I'm 38 again, 2023. And there was this, uh, there was a bit of sadness. And two words popped into my mind. And the words were, of course. And I was like, of course. And it was this clarifying moment of like, of course I was the way I was. Of course I approached adulthood the way I did. Because that movie, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, became this reminder of like the culture I came up in was so optimistic, so idealistic, so full of opportunity. And it was this reminder, it was like, of course, because this, the water I was swimming in of, uh, of the culture was so, it was just so op optimistic, so idealistic. And I was trying to like communicate that to my wife. She didn't really, she was like, what do you, why do you keep saying of course? And I was like, <laughs> of course, <laughs> this movie is personifying <laughs> 
the idealism. <laughs> and so, but another reason it, it kind of was, I was feeling like that was that I began to start learning a little bit about what's called generational theory. And it's, if you don't know what it is, um, you could Google it or you could chat GPT it. <laughs> uh, anyone use that yet? Heck yeah. It's pretty amazing. Here's the idea, and we don't need to spend tons of time on it because I want to just dive into the, the application. But the idea is that there is basically, it's, they've, traced, they've traced, these guys have traced it back to like literally the 1500s that throughout American history, there's like these 80 to 100 year cycles. And there's these repeatable generational attitudes and behaviors that throughout history just repeat themselves. And so they, they take it back again, like to the 1500s. But for our purposes, I just wanted to share kind of the four archetypes of these generations and kind of start with the boomers because many of our parents in this room are boomers. Um, and so here's the four. The first one, the boomers are the prophets. And that's prophet like an authoritative speaker has this vision, has the, the, it says the boomers basically born during a period of this social or cultural upheaval, come of age during a period of spiritual or moral revital, revitalization. And it says they're characterized by a strong sense of morality, desire for social change, idealistic, ambitious, and uh, like political activism. They're authoritarian. And so they have that like prophetic direction of like, here's what you need to do. Yeah. Here's the life that you can have, do these things, and this is the way. There's a strong kind of prophetic with the, the boomer generation. Next one, Gen Xers. I don't know if we have any Gen Xers in here, maybe, probably not. Um, they would come next, they're called the nomads. So you go from the prophets to the nomads, and it's like very different, right? Because prophets are authoritarian, nomads are like the opposite. Individualism, rejection of like traditional values, kind of like value figuring it out on their own. They're just, I, don't, I mean, to me, I don't know if we, you know any Gen Xers or anything, but they're kind of, it's a different, it's kind of like sub, a little bit of subversion, um, figuring it out. They value that individualism. Next, I know you guys have been waiting. <laughs> millennials. Let's go. Any guesses on what the archetype for the millennial is? What's the lazy one? Uh, not lazy. <laughs> no, I, quite the opposite. Um, the hero. And so millennials, as the hero, this archetype, typically born during time of crisis or upheaval, but come of age as young adults during a period of civic or social reconstruction. Um, and so the millennials are the heroes. And then lastly, the fourth is the artist. And so Gen Zers are the artists. And if you've seen that younger generation create TikToks and YouTube and all those things, there's an artistic um, and we don't have as much data on them, of course, but those are the four. And so they say that throughout history, the, the prophet, the nomad. nomad, the hero, and then the artist just cycle through. And it's this whole idea that like, you're, you're born into a certain setting, you come of age in a certain setting, and then you start passing that on, of course, that changes the trajectory of society. And so when I'm sitting there watching and ending this movie, this How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, I'm like, I was raised and I believed it. I, I did what I was supposed to do. Like I performed the vision and the promises that were made. I took those really seriously. And a lot of those promises like didn't come true like I thought. <laughs> and so that's where I think the midlife sadness 
kind of comes in is like, I performed, I, and, and dude, the hero, I mean, if you think about that, like, if we sort of have this hero desire, like we want to change the world, we want to uh, have this great impact, we want to be these heroes, and if you're promised, like, you're going to be able to change the world, you're going to be able to kind of have everything, you're going to be able to, like, have an incredible family, but you're also going to be able to have an incredible job, and you're also going to be able to have, like, these incredible friends, and you're going to, you can have everything. Got it all. You can have it all. Yeah. And just do these things, you know, do, you know, you get wh whatever it might be, and then we, like, didn't change the world as much as we thought we were supposed to, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we experienced a whole lot of disappointments, and it wasn't the perfect ending of how to lose a guy in 10 days. So what do you, what do you make of that? What do you, do you, do you see that? Did you experience that? Or even looking back? Because I think part of getting older is you, you start looking back to your upbringing. You start looking at more critically like how you were raised, what your parents were like. So what do you, what do you make of that sort of? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that theory well, right? So I don't know. Yeah. If you call it the Hold Strauss up. Howell sorry. generational theory. <laughs> What do we got? Me. Jamie. Oh, let's go. I love it. What is it, Amy? <laughs> okay, so my question, I mean, I know you all fairly well also. Yes. Um, and when you say that, that the end isn't what you expected, that makes me really sad because you're not at the end of your life. Yes. So in my head, I mean, when I look at all three of you, that end is still possible. And so my question, I don't know if I have a question, but, <laughs> but, but I think I just want to say, like, when did you come to the conclusion, like, you've, you have, you didn't, your life didn't end up the way that you thought? Not yet, but yes. is there still a possibility? Like, when did, when did it? Totally. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, Drew, I know clarify. That's great. You're, you're being very <laughs> sweet, too. Um, I think the way that I thought about it was, what Brian is touching on is some naive optimism. Like, you just can't help it when you're younger. You have naive optimism about everything. Like, what do you want to be? I want to be an astronaut. You don't know what the steps might be to be an astronaut or not, right? So you're not weighing it against any form of reality. And I think it's not that we were incorrect. I think it's that it's incomplete. Does that make sense? So it's not incorrect that you can set ambitious goals and achieve them. It's not incorrect that you can make a difference. It's not incorrect that great things can happen. I think it was just incomplete in the way that we were told how easy it would be or how quickly it would happen or to what scale you imagined it would happen at, right? And so I think we're wrestling with like a recalibration of what does it look like to create an awesome family that you enjoy? What does impact even mean? Does it mean the same as I wanted it to mean when I was 20 as I was when I was 30, right? Um, so that's how I'm thinking about it is not not giving up at all on pursuing any great things or believing for great things, but in a sense saying like, but where does things need to be updated? Where does the expectations, like one thing I told him since I, I started, some of y'all know my story, some of y'all don't know my story, but after I left kind of the, the church world, I went out on my own as an entrepreneur. And it's been five years now, um, and I'm just happy to be alive, to be honest. <laughs> like if anyone's actually ever started a business on your own, like the fact that it's still working is in itself just an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. You're like, holy crap, this is amazing. <laughs> like, it's at least working, right? But I'll, I also have a podcast besides this one where I interview founders of successful companies. And I was telling one, them one time that I had this theory that whatever you think it's going to take, however much time, energy, or money, just double it. 
Like from my own personal experience of starting something and then walking alongside of other companies starting it, I'm like, if you think you'll be there in two years, make it four. If you think it's going to cost you 100 grand, it's going to cost you 200 grand. If you think it's going to cost you this much energy, it's going to cost you twice that much energy. And not to be discouraging, it's just like you had to recalibrate your expectations and what reality is. And so I kind of think about it that way a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Did you say something about um, it's not that you can't have everything, but you can't? What was that little? Yeah, there's nugget? a there's a, a, a famous saying that says it's not that you can't have everything, you just can't have it all at once. Yeah, and so I find I, that helpful as well. I think for me, like my wife and I did something very ambitious, family-wise, and I didn't realize I thought I could do something ambitious. We had by having four kids, and we adopted three at once, and it was a big, big, bold, ambitious thing. I thought I could do that and still do the awesome work stuff and still have great friendships. And I didn't realize like you can, there's so many limits and constraints and your life's going to be so different. And I think because I just, I guess am such an idealist by nature and just did not have, I was not very rooted in reality about that. It's been this journey of awareness and like acceptance of that. And maybe I'm just, maybe it's 10, 15 more years where it's like most of my time is going to be kids related. I mean, it's amazing how much they need. It's, un <laughs> it's unbelievable. There's always something more. I mean, I got, I got home from this drama performance my daughter had at like 11 o'clock last night. She's like, Dad, can you print me something? I'm like, what do you possibly need printed at 11 o'clock at night on Friday, you know? So I think um, that, that, that's, I don't know. I, so I think I thought I probably could have it all, all at once. And I just, you, you know, you just can't. Um. Yeah, and what I would add is I just, just connect with that moment when you first felt like my life feels hard and overwhelming. Like that's the sentiment I hear out of that, which is like yes. something devastating happens. Like maybe someone dies, maybe a big thing you're banking on just doesn't pan out. Yeah, you get fired. Like A plus B did not equal C, and you're like, this feels unfair. Like, this feels like I've been robbed. This feels like we did all the right things, and it didn't work out. Like, yeah. that's, to me, that's the moment I hear in that, which yeah. is like, so how do you respond in that moment? You yeah. know, do you just like, you know, a lot of people just kind of spiral at that point. Yeah, yeah. And then people don't admit how difficult it is and you just want to cover it up or you just want to be like, well, I should be tougher than this. Huh. And I mean, our, all our parents think that we're like the biggest babies, like, cause they just didn't talk about this shit. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, but if you never talk about shit, what happens later in your life? Like yeah. to bring it back, I mean, to the whole generational theory, like with the boomers, it's not like they, it's not like they cast a vision to deceive millennials on purpose, right? It wasn't like, how can we screw them over? How could we set them up for a lot of disappointment in life? It's just, I think they lived in a world that changed a lot. And so they knew what they felt like would make you successful in that world and the way that world was set up. And it like, it was in, in a lot of ways, I think a lot more like A plus B equals C. And the world changed. So they didn't, they didn't do this on purpose. It wasn't like um, this deception, but it can feel that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the reality of college changed right at our 
right around our time, if y'all think about that. Like, it really was somewhat reliable before us that you went and it did give you a better guarantee of the job and the safety that you wanted in your career. Yeah. And then if y'all remember, it was right around at least our age time that you started hearing about people graduating and there not being an opportunity. And we're like, what the hell? What do you mean? Yeah. Like, that's the only reason we did this and took out the loans and whatever, right? And so you had that coming through. You had several things change, even like the idea of working at a company for 30 years and that being a thing that would make sense and take care of you changed Right around that time. That sounds like the most boring. I mean, just go ahead and kill me. <laughs> I've been working at coming. Working at coming for years. Oh, man. That nice. I Dude, I'm out. Nice. I respect I'm it. Out. Nice. I'll be the yeah. first to go on the, like, Mars mission Dude. or whatever. Like, we might never see him again, but at least he's doing something. Damn. Oh, Dude, but 30 years hey. at GE? I but know. So I can sit at home and watch what? Fox News at night? <laughs> uh, wait, those, ah. those benefits are really We're not good. roasting the older generation right now. Yeah. Come on. No. We have a question. Heck yeah. I am so happy and proud of y'all for asking questions. All right, I just want to say, because um, you were talking about the idea of completion, and um, I guess I just wanted to ask, with, with the generational thing, with the boomers, like how did you, how do you approach the sadness or happiness around, how did you overcome the resentment, you know? You have resentment, and y'all look like you sound like you have compassion towards them now. Yes, but they coach. actually the retirement thing—they have like a, a religious belief in that. I'm going to do this for 30 years, and I'm going to be retired. I'm just yes. going to get money. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's my question. Like, I don't care what they do. I just want to be able to do what I'm going to do, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you led perfectly. To my I just want to say, like, yeah, because it can, you can. I feel like the nomad generation just said, "Boomers, y'all are wrong." So yeah, that's yeah. the rebellion. Is like, yes. no, y'all are just wrong. Yeah, y'all are wrong about it that's all. True. And then I feel like the next generation is saying, they, we kind of believed it a little. We more, believe. Oh, know? I think so. Absolutely. In terms of getting the prophecy and getting the prediction, like there's going to be a completion. Yeah. Yes. You're going to work for this amount of years, and that like. I guess what I'm trying to say is they said there was a amount of years of pushing of effort yeah. and then you would reach a point. Yes. I'm gonna be like sixty something and I'm I'm good, you know. Yeah. I I applied enough effort to be, you know, to this yes. point. But yeah. So anyway. can I jump in there or do you have something? I do, but I want you to go. Well, okay. So, you know, talking about this journey, I mean there's like an awareness that happens, you know, you start becoming aware, but then the acceptance of this is my life. Um I think part of the acceptance for me has been, you know, we're all at some level products of the culture that we were born and raised up into. So what are we going to do? Like, I mean, there's got to be a level of ownership, acceptance, yeah. or you're going to stay kind of in that victim mindset, I think, which is really hard to grow in that. And the resentment, the bitterness, like, I felt all those things. And, um, you know, can still feel those things. But Yeah, it's funny because – in a sense, it's almost like we're talking about this like we're experts in generational theory when we're not. No, we're not. We, we uh, so this is just a conversation topic for us, right? Not like experts talking about this. I would say I, my, I'm just a different case because I just dream by nature. And so I was more let down by my own dreaming. Yeah. I didn't have any like, my parents told me it was going to be this. It was just like, no, I just as a kid would always dream in my imagination about how the world could be and how what I could do and where it could go and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so for me, it's actually, I love, and I've talked about this on the show some, I love the counterbalance of me midlife sadness and midlife magic. <laughs> like, I don't want just, and he doesn't either. You don't want just the midlife sadness of like, it's over, right? There's nothing to be excited about. But we also know that like, hey, if we chase magic without any dose of reality, 
like that leaves you in some pain as well, right? And so for me, it's how do you deal with where might you might have been wrong or had your hopes up in something and it didn't pan out, yet hope in something again? Because I've also, I told, them, I told them in this in a polo, I think, I don't think this was on an episode. No, I think I did in the midlife magic. I've lived gray and gray sucks. Meaning like I've had my response to like, well, I'm just not going to dream as much. And I'm just going to go like just do a normal day and live kind of numb and neutral. And that sucks. It's safer. But like that existence was terrible. And so I realized like, yeah, it was safer when I kind of pulled back things like hope, expectation, faith in something, whatever. But, like, even though it was safer, you die a slow death. And it just felt like Groundhog's Day. Same shit, different day. You know what I mean? And I was like, no, I still need something to go for. Like, we still need something that wakes you up in the morning and that you're worth failing at. I think that was part of my upgrading, too, is, like, my dreams never involved failure. Like, no. no. My dreams always were secure in my head. That Like, they would happen. Yeah. And they didn't take into account that, like, some things are still worth doing even if you fail at it. And some things are worth doing, and it might take you five failures to get there before it's successful. Does that make sense? So there's these key, like, additions to the dreaming, Mm -hmm. but you still feel a little gun-shy of, like, I don't know, I thought my first venture would have taken off, and you would have gotten funding, and blah, 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 blah. Or I even remember with our kids, like, y'all were all having kids around the same time as us, and I just unknowingly had that thought that, like, I couldn't wait for the newborn phase. Now, all of you, no one's saying me too, because most of you have kids, but, like... (laughs) I just thought it was supposed to be this time, and when I visited friends, it was this time where the baby's just sleeping on you all the time, and you just get this, like, snuggle in the middle of the night, and it's annoying to wake up, but, like, you still get to snuggle this little baby. Our freaking baby had colic, and I didn't know what the fuck colic was, (laughs) but from the moment it was born, for for the first, (laughs) it was born, I love it, (laughs) dude. Does she. it have a name yet? <laughs> At that time, it was just a scream. <laughs> but, like, I remember that being, like, one of the first, like, adult things that, like, poked my bubble. Of, like, I had this expectation that I was going to have this, like, bonding, you know, time. And I'm wrestling for the first time, like, not being sure why I'm so mad at this baby. And that was really weird. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'm not supposed to be mad at the baby. I, but, like, I threw my kid on the bed one time softly. It was just a little toss. It was a little toss. We're recording this. I know, I know. I know, but it was a little toss. I'm going to walk the line. I'm going to walk the line. Because he he was crying. It was great for a week, and then it just was that. Yeah. It was a little toss. Okay. And Marge had this six, and she's like, just throw him on the bed. (laughs) Immediately. She she was totally asleep. She just threw him on the bed. (laughs) Lay him down. Just lay him down. Just a little toss. It, it was. It was a little. There was a little uh, sauce on it. A little, a little like. <laughs> There's a soft landing, soft bed. Just a little toss. Yeah, a little toss. A little fresh. We're talking like 24 right. inches. Or, okay. Well. Sorry, sorry. What was the point? No, but the, <laughs> <laughs> You're my, disappointed. My point was, I think we often go to like <laughs> dreams you had for your life. I think we're also just talking about the realities of life. Detached from career pursuits or whatever, that you thought marriage would be A, B, and C, and you didn't realize like yours would have hard stuff too. Yeah, you thought parenting kids would be A, B, and C, and you found out it's got hard shit too. Like just some of that was just a shock. Yeah, that I think some of us are going through. You know, Um, I'm trying to feel it for the first time. 
Like, I very much avoid uncomfortable feelings. Very much. Like, I was sad a good bit of today, and I just tried to overlook it until at some point I just told Caroline while we were getting ready for the event. Yeah, like, I think yeah. I was sad today. Yeah. <laughs> no, you told me I was proud of you. I, that's, like, practice for me because I typically stuff, avoid, run from, yeah. anger, sadness, fear. Yeah, yeah. Don't like any of those. I like excitement. I like courage. Yes. We got a mic for him. So um, it's funny that we're talking about this. Because I'm going to sit down because yeah, I'm not please like. Yeah, do, man. Do whatever you want. <laughs> do whatever you All right. Want. So, um, you know, I, I, over the last several years, as I've sort of like been growing in all these very different ways, I noticed that I had strange resentment for things in very sharp moments. And I was like, it wasn't so sharp that it was like awkward or anything, but supervisors, like whatever, vice presidents, you know, it was like they would say something. How could they say something like that? <laughs> and I was like, I was like why? And, and then I was like, well, why am I getting so upset about it, right? So it started to, you know, it was like I, I just got sick of the feeling. It's not like it culminated with anything where I needed to do this, but I got sick of the feeling, and so I went to go see a therapist, yeah. and I started going through these, you know, these settings, and like, well, what happened here? What happened there? And she said, you have a problem with letdown. And it just dawned on me that a lot of it was from my parents. Yeah. And it was that I'm still, so I'm an only child. Me too, bro. Hey. <laughs> Listen, it's a club. I know. It's, it's a problem. But the, 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 the real problem is that so my parents got divorced, and then neither of them are financially stable. So as an only child, it's on me to take care of both my parents in different parts of the country. And my wife has these great parents, you know? Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I really, and I had been talking about this with them when they got divorced when I was a kid. And it's like, I was saying this when I was 15. What 15 year old has to be thinking about that? That's right, yeah. You know, and then to still not fix it. And then just today, like not today, but a couple of weeks ago, you know, my mother says, I finally understand what you're saying. When it's way too late. <laughs> you know? It's like, way, the, right, the dice are like, we're, we're done. Ship is sailed. And the car's down the track. And so, so like, I'm, now I'm trying to reconcile this, and I don't want to be angry. I want, but, I'm, but I know I have to travel this road. Like, I don't yeah, get to get out of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I know a lot of us in this room are probably in somewhat of a similar position. Not everybody, because somebody has, like, my wife's parents, the great parents. Yeah. You know, but, like, a lot of us got stuck with the parents that are, are troubling, and I think that a lot of this comes down to that generational challenge. Yeah where my challenge is how do I get through that knowing that our life has been more difficult, knowing that this isn't going to change, you know, like, and so trying to come around and forgive is really particularly challenging right yeah, now. Absolutely. Yeah, you know? Great. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, I, you know, it's um, this awareness and acceptance, and then the last one we'll talk about is, like, taking agency and responsibility. But, you know, somebody, I think, Megan, I think you said it, um, almost feel like we're pretending to be adults. I mean, this is kind of connected to all of this because as this hero generation, very performative. Like, if you perform these ways, um, you're gonna be this, you know, you're gonna have this great life or you're gonna have this success. And so, I think, yeah, exactly, the trophies. We got all the trophies. Um, there's stuff about education system even that we were kind of taught to the test, so it's kind of like, Hey, good job, buddy. You got a hundred, but I, I gave you all the answers, but <laughs> you did it, uh, yeah. kind of, but you didn't really yeah, earn it. These ten questions. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the participation trophies and the the <coughs> kind of teaching to the test and all those things kind of almost cultivated this performing 
and so even I think in adulthood, it's kind of like you can bring that with you where you're almost like you feel like you're <coughs> trying to do the right thing, almost like this performance, and then when it just fails, um, it's, it's time for like the real stuff. And it might not look nearly as sexy as we thought, the impact or changing the world or whatever, like, but once the performance kind of fails you and you're like, this is my real life now and I have to like work through this level of like acceptance and all this stuff, like that's the real stuff, you know? Like I remember I even asked y'all, I was like, when I was going through a big job change and mostly motivated by how do I pay for such a big family and because I never thought about money ever. And But it's like, I had to ask y'all, I was like, can I just get a normal job? Like why would I think I can't just get a normal job? No, I remember you asked me, you had these decisions, should I, should I do this, should I go to this, or should I take this? And the way you were asking it, I said, Brian, it feels like you're asking permission. Yes, I needed permission. That was the way I was like, it feels like you're asking for permission to take a job that isn't quote-unquote changing the world or whatever. Yeah. And that was just interesting that you unknowingly needed that filter yes. or that permission. Yes. Because I, I think a lot of millennials even, and I don't know, didn't intend for this to be the millennial night, but I think we're pretty much all millennials. But, I mean, even in the pandemic, it's like, I think just a lot of tiredness and a lot of like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can keep doing this. Yeah. I, 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 and, and yet in that kind of letting go and accepting a life that maybe is not as romantic or idealistic as we had thought, I think that's like the real stuff, you know? It's like the real hard but good work in the real world. It's not some pie in the sky thing. It's like in real life I have these relationships. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one thing hopefully you can all relate to is you ever have that thought like everybody else blank, like whatever it is. Everybody else has an easier time making friends. Everybody else is able to make money. Everybody else is whatever. I hear that come out of my mouth, my friend, my wife's mouth all the time, and then you meet everybody else. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you're like, everybody else is saying what you're saying, so it's not everybody else. Like yeah. there is some version of, you know, um, most men lead, lead lives of quiet desperation is Henry Thoreau, right? Most people lead lives of quiet desperation. That, that imagery is just interesting to me, that, like, we're all doing these things, and everybody's looking at the other person like, I'm the only one faking this right now, right? And so the only thing I would say is, again, we're not experts on any of these topics, but we did make a choice to be vulnerable mm -hmm. with each other and to start to say, like, hey, what is the conversation? Even if I don't know where the conversation goes, even if I don't know what tools it's gonna require, I'm now at a point that says I will do that. Yeah. And I think that's the invitation hopefully for you all listening to our podcast is like, it may be a different subject, it may be a different topic, but do you ever have a point where you just go, I'm willing to do this. I, I'm putting a kind of a line in the sand here that I want more joy here, or I want more healing here or whatever. And then who would go on that with me? Is it, do I involve therapy? Do I involve friends? Do I involve all of it? I, by the way, I'm a huge proponent of all of the above. And whatever the situation usually is, like, well, probably eat better, probably get a therapist, <laughs> probably bring your friends in, probably pray, like, check yeah. all the freaking boxes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go out this 360, you know? Yes. Um, yes. Oh. Dev. Um, just taking another spin, a little, little bit of a different it. direction, um, talking about all of your naivete and dreams and imagination. Yes. Would you say or can you think of any aspect of your lives that did more or less in the ballpark turn out the way that you dreamed it? 
to be? Great question. Probably a healthy question. <laughs> you freaking therapist. Uh, God damn it. I just, I'm learning from y'all talking about your parents. I just have such a different perspective. Oh, like, dude, you're like more like a boomer, man. <laughs> in, a, you're in a good way? That's why we all rallied yeah, behind yeah. you because you okay. were like, this is what we should do. Yeah. And like, okay. No, I just, I, I feel like I'm like, dude, our parents are trying the, the best they could. Yeah. With the tools they had, yeah. and it's like, dude, my kids are gonna think the same thing about me. Yeah, like it's absolutely. all every, it's all the same, you know. And so, I I feel like now what I think about is like, okay, I want to get really clear on like what what do I really want? Like what is worth going after? Because I think I had that exploration like adventure thing, and I always kind of wanted to like get away, like get out of my house, get away from my family, like, go do my own thing. And my family's very independent. Like, I'm one of three. Everybody's super independent. I mean, Margaret knows. It's, like, impossible to get my family together for anything. Like, we're going to meet at four at the bowling alley, and then some shit goes down. <laughs> Dude, this person's there. This person, Margaret's there at four. I'm like, what are you doing? you got to learn the lesson. Like, come on. Why are you there at four? What are you thinking? Like, I'm here. It's just me. Like, yep. You know, this, this podcast is not about my family. Uh, I don't have family issues. Uh, but but now, so now it's like deeper because I feel like you do get some of the stuff you want. Like Brian got the big family he wanted. And now he just talks about, complains about all this. <laughs> so, so now it's like, okay, so what do you want? You know, and that's a really hard question to answer. And that's where I think the agency thing comes in. I love yeah. that question. Like, what do you want? And people feel bad saying it because it's, oh, that's selfish to say what I want. Or, no, I'm supposed to just ask God what I want. Like, I think that's a sign of maturity to be like, what do you want? And then, like, why do you want that? And, like, really dig deep into that. And so I think that's what this whole, this has been a pause for me. Like, 35 to 40, like, I'll be 40 this year, has been a pause of, like, what am I actually trying to go for? And I think what I value most now is not, like, these things I've accomplished or these things that got achieved. It's, like, who's in my life? Like, what relationships do I have? I heard Warren Buffett say, like, the most success when you're old is just do the people that you think are important, do they actually love you back? So that's what this whole thing has been for me. Like, I went through sadness, but it was actually a returning to, like, come back to your family. Like, do you value the mundane? Do you value the boring stuff? Because if you can actually, like, give yourself to it, there's a lot of beauty in it. And that's why I think About Time is such a great movie. It's like the Bible for our podcast. It's like, I mean, it's so good. Just like, can you see the joy in the mundane, in the boring? Because that is 98% of life. You know what I mean? So I'm asking that question. I read Bill Knight, the uh, Nike guy, Shoe Dog, great biography. And he said at the end of that thing, he's like, you know what? If I could talk to some young people, you know, if, if I couldn't live the journey again, he wanted to live the journey again, which I just love hearing an old person say, I wish I could live my life again. That is the life I want to live, where I'm fucking old, and I say I want to live the whole damn thing. Let's go. The shit, the good stuff, let's do it. That's what I'm aspiring to. But he goes, think long and hard about who you're going to do this journey with. And that just really stuck with me. Like, I, so I've just been reflecting on that. Like, okay, are the things that I want to go after, the things that I think are important, like, Who's on that journey with me? And, like, what do I get at the end of that? Yeah, we might accomplish it. Maybe we don't. But, like, what relationships come out of that? And that's been – I needed to slow down to see that. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've grown by saying, like, yeah, I don't – I'm probably wrong. It doesn't have to be my way. Like, 
Um, I forget the question now. <laughs> <laughs> we brought this up tonight because it was the most popular episode we had. It's the only reason we're talking about it. Midlife sadness. We don't talk yes. about being sad all the time. That is not like our constant conversation. <laughs> but we, sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes. But it's just interesting. Like, the reason we've talked about it more is because there's been such a resonance out of all the episodes that people wanted to talk about that. So we're like, we're willing to go there. We're willing to have that conversation, right? But yes, the relationship I have with my kids and my wife has exceeded my expectations. Way more. Uh, my friendships exceeded my expectations. Some of the relationships, some of the opportunities and things I've gotten to do and explore way exceeded. So you're 100% right. Those I, I awesome. think what I was trying to say, though, is I got some of the things I wanted. And I was like, oh, this is great. I got what I wanted. But is that really satisfying? Is that really what you want? Like, is that accomplishment really? And I talk to people all, all the time now. They're like, I crushed it in my career. I've been in this career for 17 years, 20 years. I don't know who I am. Yeah. And I'm like, that's really interesting. You know, you, you hit these goals that you have, and does it really deliver the way you thought it did? You know, and so that, that's, sorry, that's what, what I was saying. Totally makes You're sense. saying something good, too. But I, I <laughs> we can land the plane and, and, and have some, um, some questions. But, I mean, the last thing, talked about awareness, talked about acceptance, and it's like this spiral of, of growth. The last one would be agency and, like, taking ownership. You know, it's amazing. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but so often I don't even feel like I'm an adult still. I'm like, am I an adult? I'm an adult. I am an adult. And, you know, the taking that ownership and, and saying, like, I am, I'm not going to be the victim, number one, and I'm going to really take responsibility fully. Um, I'm not going to defer to boomers. I'm not going to def defer to the authorities that kind of, I sort of just believed and optimistically followed and like I'm going to be an adult. I'm an adult, you remember that? <laughs> um, but, and, and I think, so I think that ownership is very powerful because yeah. a lot of times I think the, the moving forward in life and the solutions become, they, they start to happen when you really finally take that agency, that ownership. And, um, and I think it takes a lot of bravery. I think it takes a lot of courage I, I, I get challenged and scared so often to, to be that like agent of my, of my life. Um, but that's where I think we need each other. And, you know, I don't have tons of confidence to say like, hey, if you just, you know, go for this dream, I, I believe it's gonna work out for you. Like, I, I don't have much confidence to say those things. I feel like the, what I have the most confidence for is like, no matter what you do, Whatever you try to go for or whatever, just have some people that you can be honest and vulnerable with. I feel very confident in that. And I think all of us need that. Like, if we can just have a few friends yeah. even. Well, I, let, me, let me add to that because I, what I would want is even a step further. Of course you would. Say, <laughs> I, want, I want people, I would want people in your life who, who say, ask the question, you like, if you're on your deathbed, like, what would you have wished you went for? Like, what do you wish you would have, like, gone? Like, what would you have a regret about if you didn't go for it? That's actually what I'm interested in. Like, what would that be, Bert? If it did work out. <laughs> if it did work out. What would you go for? And then I think you need people who not only ask that question, but, like, believe in you. Do we need people who believe in us? Like, you need to surround yourself with people who actually believe in what you're trying to go for. I think we need that. Like, mm -hmm. so, I mean, to me, that's, like, 
people that are saying like, dude, what, if you're honest, how do you hope it worked out? Like how, how, what, what, what would you have a regret about, you know, not going for? And I want people to push me in those directions and then believe in you to, to, I mean, that's what Marge has been for me. She's like not blind belief, but like, I actually want to support you and we're, to me, that's what partnership is. Like don't get married to someone if they don't give a shit about who you want to become, and they don't want to get behind that, like, at least, like, 90%. I mean, you're probably not going to get 100, <laughs> but, like, 90%. Like, I know what you're saying you want to go for, and I want to get behind that. Like, that's what it's about. Like, that's what friendship's about. That's what partnership's about, and I feel like that's super healthy. Then if you fail, at least someone's there, like, yeah, man, that was pretty shitty, but, like, we tried that live event, you know, and we can do another one, you know? Like, to me, that's what life's about. Like, that's where the magic is, you know? Um, so I, I feel like I'm building on what you're saying. It's, yeah, you yeah. know, that's great. Well, I think we can open it up unless you have anything else. Yeah, yeah. Any, I mean, I feel like we're, we got one right there. Lars, Lars, my neighbor. I, look at this beautiful man. Um, have you guys considered you're just describing like the hero arc? Like that, like you have just like two, a T like our story's unwritten generationally speaking. Mm. You just described the hero arc. We might just, like, every hero. Like the hero's journey? Like the me. hero's journey. Okay, okay, okay. In the sense, like, I mean, just, just, like, unpack that a little bit. But, like, think of it in that context and think of the story of this generation as an unwritten story. S say more. Like, what do you well, mean with the hero's journey? What I mean by that is, like, the hero's journey, generally, you see this, like, high-flying, not necessarily literally, but sometimes, uh, journey, right? And then a collapse of some kind, reality hitting. And... Um, the wrestling with that experience and then the support that may or may not show up and how one picks oneself up and you know reassesses what is important what power looks like what change looks like what do you want to be a hero for mm. Mm -hmm. and then you pick up whatever the mantle is and continue mm. on your yes. journey in a new way right and so the way I would sort of the way I, I see this conversation and the way like uh, it's really helping contextualize our generation yeah. arguably with the terminology of a hero, right? Yeah. Is that like we had this sort of shot out of a cannon feeling and then reality punched us in the mouth and we've wrestled with that for some time, but our journey is not over. Yeah. And as you take large and small kind of arcs like this, consider like you have many small arcs, mm -hmm. ups and downs and whatnot, and you grow and learn with each one. But your life, we are only partway through our journey, right? Yes. And there's a lot of change. We're the biggest generation, I think, ever. We're bigger than the boomers. Mm. Look how much change they accomplished in their later years. They've got tons of changing to do, tons of hero heroism, I suppose, to accomplish and acts like that, so. That's great. Just kind of wrestle with that a little bit if you want. Oh, yeah, that's like, great. I, I just have been the, listening the, and the like. The guide emerges. <laughs> the guide emerges on the hero's journey. <laughs> yes, Lars. <laughs> have you considered? <laughs> yeah, I found. Good. Well, I was just going to say, I found, if anybody's looked into what he's talking about, I found that incredibly helpful for me. And the book that I wrote, it's even the backdrop of the entire layout of my book is the hero's journey sure. because it brought some order to chaos especially when I was starting a business and everything felt so crazy, the fact that there was these repeatable like, patterns that characters seem to go through. Um, but it's why I love agency, too. The idea of agency is taking the pen that it feels like life has been writing your story, and you take the pen in your hand, mm -hmm. and you decide this is who I want to be. This is what I want to pass on to my kids. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember when we were getting married, you just, 
you realize that we were fighting like our parents fought. Like she was fighting whatever pattern she learned from her parents and I was fighting the pattern I learned. And then we had this moment where we were like, but we don't have to. Like, and that's when you take the pin. And you're like, that's what wants to get passed on. That would be the easiest thing is for you to do it this way and for me to do it that way because it was modeled for us. But we could, if we wanted, do the hard work of saying, how would we like to fight? And then we start a new thing that we pass on. Does that make sense? It's usually stuff that you would scratch and claw to get out of. Does that make sense? So I'm like, I freaking hate that. But change sucks. But we can do it if we want to. Matthew. Well, we're so honored that y'all came into our little rented living room here. And uh, we're part of this. I mean, I, I was just curious what's, what would happen in the room. So I just feel like this was awesome night just to be with people face to face and just hear like what's going on inside of us. Um, so thank you for being here. Um, what's next? Uh, we got to go so they can mingle. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Thank you guys so much thank you guys for being here. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode on the What No One's Asking For podcast. We could stay connected on Instagram. Um, would love for you to follow us there, WNAFpod on Instagram. Uh, we also have a website, WNAFpod.com. You could drop us a voicemail here or an email. Um, we would just love to hear from you. And also, if you could consider giving us a rating uh, wherever you listen to this podcast, that would be much appreciated. Super grateful for those that have already done that. Just helps us to kind of share these conversations uh, potentially with more people. So thanks so much for listening today, and we will see you next week for another great conversation. Thank you.